This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Steve Uriah and Roger Harvey from Switch Playground NYC in our offices, New York City, Midtown, Switch, the new boutique fitness concept to hit the island of Manhattan. Steve and Roger, welcome to the show. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. So I've known Roger for a long time. Steve, you and I become fast new friends. Uh, Why don't you give us your background on you know, what you were doing in South Africa and why you've come to bless us in New York City with your results-driven fitness concepts. Doing in South Africa, I guess, well, the history of, of how I got here was um, a background in human movement and fitness being my fascination all my life. Um, you know, being an, uh, I was never a team athlete as a kid. I was always an individual athlete, which was something that I could hold myself accountable for always. So that's why I chose to do individual athletics rather um, so that I could be responsible for my losses or victories and judge myself and no one else. So tennis, golf, which was quite unique back in in the day. And then, you know, martial arts. So it was always competing with myself against others to see how I did. And from there, I just uh, immersed myself in, in the fascination of human movement and what the body's abilities are so finishing school, went into uh, college, did a sports administration degree, and from there went into the military. And uh, that's where my switch really happened, or my switch button. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one who believes in doing everything to the, to the full uh, and not taking any shortcuts. So having a heart murmur and a hernia since I was a kid, uh, they picked that up when I went through my medicals in the military. And... They were going to give me a classification, which was light office, light PT and office work. And I'd, I was huge. I'd been training all my life uh, at that point. And I said, do I look like I need to sit in an office? I if, said, they either, a, if they had a stand-up desk, maybe. Well, yeah, not, I mean, not. on a treadmill. Yeah, exactly. I said, either exempt me from the military or let me go full gas, which they did. They said, you're one of the first people who've ever actually asked for that. And well. I, I did it. And uh, I loved it. I loved the challenge, obviously, having that sort of mindset. Um, but I really did learn, you know, you go into the military and I love the psychology of it. You go in, you finish school, you finished your secondary or t- tertiary education and you're the man, you know, you've, you've achieved and you're at the top of your, your game. So you think coming out at that age and then you go into this place or this institution, they shave your head, they put you in a brown uniform. You don't even have a name anymore. You have a number and you, you're nobody. And you really are stripped down to your bare bone core and you have to be rebuilt according to their specs, survival. Uh, and they can then see what kind of a human being you are and you can. So did my basic training or boot camp, uh, finished that, did a PTI course, which is a drill sergeant course, finished that, did officer's course, and then went into special forces training because I just wanted to keep challenging everything they were throwing at me. Uh, I loved it. Again, uh, different mindset and learning just how much you can take and just, you know, excelling as a, as a person and growing. Finished my military as a lieutenant, uh, moved to Los Angeles. Uh, while I was actually training, I was, I was training under a guy named Reg Park, who was an icon in bodybuilding in the 50s and 60s. Arnold Schwarzenegger actually came and trained under him in South Africa. He was a Mr. Universe. And he was one of the the foundations of the pillars of training as it is today, an incredible human being. And uh, he designed most of the equipment that's still used today or the basic platforms of the machines that are around today. His son, John John Park, uh, had a gym in Los Angeles called World Private Exercise. It was the first world gym private exercise uh, studio. 
I helped him open that, worked with him there, got to experience the LA life, you know, training all the stars, trained Oscar De La Hoya in Big Bear, California when he was going up weight classes in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, you know, the celebs, I was on the set of Jurassic Park. It was fun, you know, I'd just come to LA. So, so let's just, before we, we fast forward to, to LA and New York, talk about how when you were growing up, you, you were based on, on individualized training yeah. and bettering yourself, and then you get into the military. Did something happen there where you said, okay, in order for me to be successful, everyone around me needs to be successful? So did that kind of frame, because Switch Playground, as our audience might or might not know, is, is a group training right. platform, and, and everyone's basically helping each other out, yeah. whether directly or indirectly, and there's energy. So how did that kind of shape So you know, how I guess you going training? in there, realizing you know, my abilities... And then the whole military mentality of team, you know, if, if one doesn't do it, you all go through it again. Uh, and carrying each other and, and learning to bring the weakest up with the strongest. Definitely that mindset and, and teaching people in believing they can. That's the biggest belief I have is, is knowing that people don't believe in themselves as much as they should. And that's my ethos on the playground when I'm instructing is these, these encouraging words. I don't even say motivational stuff. It's all too cliche for me. But finding that inner warrior um, that everybody does have and, and helping people to believe that they can do more, they can do better. You know, like I said before, I always say my worst word on earth is can't. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's setting yourself up for failure. It, it doesn't exist. So, yeah, so when I pushed myself past my own limits um, and I found my... You know, outside your comfort zone, that's something I always say, outside your comfort zone is where you'll find your magic. Nothing is going to change in a comfort zone. Uh, I found it, and then I learned how to teach others that. So to answer your question, yeah, I guess I was forced to not be an individual anymore and to rise up and then take my strength to help those who didn't have it uh, emotionally, physically, or didn't believe they had it and show them they do have it. And yeah, In this era of... You know, the celebrity fitness trainer, obviously you're in that, that echelon of training a lot of stars. How do you balance your, your own personal, you know, self-worth and saying like, okay, I'm, in, I'm in, the, in, in the public eye at the same time. My goal and my objective is to train people who are, are trying to achieve their best self. So how do you, how do you balance that as, as a trainer and as a, you know, as a creator and founder of, of Switch Playground? Well, for me, the biggest key to that is the fact that I, I don't believe in ego anywhere. Uh, every human being has the same abilities to a degree. Obviously, some have a genetic disposition that's better than others. I look at each individual as a human being and as a person, not as a star, celebrity, supermodel, whatever else. I look at what an individual needs, why, th what is their motivation, what is their reason for being in front of me. Uh, so when I started training the NFL players, for example, I never knew football, I knew rugby uh, coming from South Africa. But I watched tape on each position because I wanted to know what they did and what their body requirements were. So when I got Jamal Lewis from the Baltimore Ravens as a running back, I had no idea what running back was at that time. So I studied tape on him and many others. I wanted to see his weaknesses and strengths and I wanted to see what the position required and then I fine-tuned a workout what I always did was train these guys if they were getting ready for a fight because any mixed martial artist or fighter, I think, is the most fit human being on the planet. Definitely. And the demands on, on, say, a cage fighter is strength, agility, speed, fitness. They've got to make weight. They've got to stay strong. So it's such a fine-tuned 
athletes. Um, I would train these guys as if they were getting ready for a fight, but in that I would throw in uh, movements that would help them with their vertical cuts and their lateral movements and their everything like so running backs, uh, you know, the agility and speed with their strength. Uh, in the football world, they actually do powerlifting and Olympic lifting and strength, but no one does that resistance band, sidestepping, and I started incorporating a lot of that into the workout while they were in a boxing ring, resistance band around the ankle, movement, jumping, and... Uh, yeah, I, think there was a, I think there was a recent running back who was like on Dance with the Stars or did some kind of... was doing some dancing yeah, I mean, and, and training and, and doing that and, right. and actually had the best season yeah. recently right after that. It's, it's thinking outside the box, and, and that for me is, again, taking anyone who's in front of me who's, who's asking for my help or professional advice and tailoring it to what they need. There's no generic type of workout. And what Switch Playground really is, is a culmination of every movement pattern, every functional training tool and mechanism I've studied in all the years, taking from athletes, models, professional trainers, whatever works I've put into that playground. So it, it, it has an element for every single person. So Switch Playground, you never get the same workout twice. Right. So you always, you have the variety. Um, you know, Roger recently uh, joined the team here. Um, Roger and I have been friends since 1989. We used to play basketball in a, uh, in a barn uh, late at night before curfew. And uh, we used to go one-on-one. He used to wear some kind of like right? knee pads or knee, I don't know what you had, Michigan tattoo or something. And I was like the junior guy running up the court. Um, so, so we go way back. Uh, so Roger just has become CEO of Switch and, and ready to take this and, and scale the business. So Roger, why don't you give your background to the listeners and then talk about what you're overlaying onto the, to the product here and the service to make it great. Sure, it's, a, it's always a pleasure to see you, Pete. <laughs> it's been a long time, three decades now. Yeah. So my background started at the University of Michigan. I was a movement science major in the division of kinesiology. And I knew I was gonna get involved in health and fitness but I didn't really know exactly what that meant at the time. Uh, I tell people when I graduated from college, I opened the Help Wanted ads, there wasn't a listing for kinesiologist. Right. And my career started working at the front desk of a gym in Midtown, uh, Manhattan, still exists, Mid-City Gym. Yeah, sure. Um, Vince <laughs> Consalvo. Yup, I remember that one. Sure. Basement, uh, basement gym. I, I, I moved <laughs> from there to a, uh, the Executive Fitness Center, which was at the World Trade Center. Yep. And I worked there with an amazing group of people. I think you know some of the people from uh, that, that were part of that company. Yeah, who was, was, that was Terry Blaycheck was a, a part of that who team. Who else was in that? Uh, Gene Abucci, Tom Heavey, uh, you know, well, I have to think about some of the other names. But it's, I mean, It's just, like the old Cleveland Browns where all those guys are now like running a yeah, successful company. It was really like, amazing. And I, coaching and I, bench was huge. Right, yeah. and, I, and I look back now almost three decades later and I realize how that was, uh, that was really... Uh, a metaphor for what was to come. Sure. You know, uh, yeah. your, your people aren't successful by themselves. They're successful because they're part of a great team. Right. And I was lucky enough to be a part of a great team there. Unfortunately, the World Trade Center was bombed in 1993. Mm-hmm. And I was there the day it happened. Um, reasonable to say that I had a close call with death because I finished lunch 15 minutes before the bomb went off. And that level where the bomb went off was you know, where people died in that explosion. So that helped me adjust my perspective. I found a small boutique fitness chain based in Manhattan, uh, focusing on a on specific uh, cutting edge types of group fitness, and it was called Crunch Fitness. And 
I ended up being at Crunch for 13 years. We saw the company grow from three, then went reversed a step to two small studios, and then grew into a gym chain that is still growing today. And that was an amazing experience, largely, again, because of the team of people that I was able to work with there. Again, talk, talk about for um, just so people have an appreciation for what you were doing and what Crunch is today. Obviously, they got a corporate office. They got a team of people. They have an org chart. Uh, you and I were friends there, and I used to live on 14th, and I used to live at the Zec. That's so right. I was two I blocks that. away from you, so I used to visit you sometimes, and you were doing like... 11.30, midnight, you know, payroll or, like, something on paper. Or yeah, I mean, it I was... I think it was, like, personal training. You had to, like, a, you had, like, cards. We, we it ran, was, like, we, very we, rudimentary. We ran our entire personal training department for several years on, like, paper, paper chips. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Individually serial numbered and, and yep. labeled and processed. Uh, and took uh, that business went from $0 to about uh, $14 million in a couple of years. The The growth of the, the company really was even started before that because we started out as a just a, a just a small group fitness studio, not one specialized method, which we're doing at Switch, but uh, a lot of different styles and a lot of things that hadn't been seen before. Uh, we were the first commercial gym chain to offer spinning nationally, and it involved crazy things. I mean, I remember there was periods of time where I would sleep in the gym for more than a week straight because there yeah. was just too much work to be done. And I was there all the time. I would run home and change my clothes and go back. Yeah. And uh, it was re what was required at the time in order to, to get that company up and moving and to find the right people to, you know, that, would, that would allow us to, to fulfill the vision that the founder, Doug Levine, had and that I believed in. Yeah. And it's amazing. Once you get two people who believe in the same vision... There's, there's literally nothing that can stop you from growing and seeing yeah, it come the, to life. The one thing that always intrigued me about Crunch is that if you, people knew about it and thought it was like a $500 million company, and then they had like 19 clubs. You know, right. It always was much bigger in the market than it actually was in, in, in terms of scale and size. So, and, and Doug actually was an interesting guy from a standpoint of like painting this billion-dollar vision but having the resources of, you know, 19 clubs. Yeah, so. Doug, Doug's skill set really uh, was in his ability to master the marketing. Yep. And he understood the value uh, and taught me the value of brand management yep. and how that could really make such a huge difference. And so company A might spend $5,000 in advertising and only get $2,500 worth of value out of it because they were not careful with the way they, they conveyed their message. Company B might have spent $5,000 and actually received $5,000 with a value out of it. So it's a break even. Uh, at Crunch, we would invest $5,000 in advertising and we would receive $50,000 with a value out of it because we, it was the brand messaging that was most important. For several years, our advertising never showed anybody exercising. Mm -hmm. It was about conveying the feeling that we wanted associated with the brand. The first time I saw an ad for, for that brand, it made me laugh. And understanding the, the value of branding and how it could enhance an organization and benefit everybody in the organization, mm -hmm. uh, ownership, the employees, the members of the, the gym, really carried, you know, that, that was the message that really stuck with me as I, as I moved on from crunch into the rest of my career. And, and that's what really carries me now. Yeah. And what excites me so much about Switch. The one thing that, that was interesting, Steve, you probably weren't around for any of these uh, commercials, but they used to have a... Uh, a penguin and a bunny 
dressed up in like a Halloween costume. Yeah, and they used to have them running after each other in like Union Square. And it was like, it really cracked you up. And it was, this is before Netflix or, or YouTube. So it was like when you saw one of those videos on, you know, a commercial at two o'clock in the morning, you know, did, people would talk about it. So that's right. Yeah, it was, there was a lot of buzz. Yeah, the, the, that's right. The, and the message the receipt that I received was just the importance of, of, of putting the brand first, right? Uh, I think it was Mike Krzyzewski said, uh, take care of the name on the front of the jersey and it'll, it will take care of the name on the back. I like that. And that's really you know, what I've prioritized in terms of, of my life, understanding my purpose, which is to help other people. And the best way to do that is to put the organization first and do everything we can to make the organization successful. And um, when I met Steve, there was a connection immediately where I understood that we shared the same common purpose. Like we're, we both understand that we're here to help other people. It is what carried me through my career. I it detoured after Crunch uh, back into uh, boutique fitness again. I was at an indoor cycling studio called Psych Fitness, also based here in Manhattan. And all of that experience led me perfectly into this opportunity at Switch, where I see uh, a greater potential uh, than I've ever seen before from the inside of an organization. So, so one, of, one of my clients uses this term, uh, she says, I, I plant these little mustard seeds, and, and, and they're growing. So you know, when, you, when you and uh, Steve met and, and you looked at Switch, you know, what, what, what was the you know, visceral response to like what, what you have here? Uh, wow. Mm -hmm. uh, what really is where it started. Uh, the, the experience in the classroom is very unique and it, it can't be replicated because in order to replicate it, you'd have to clone the guy sitting to my right. And, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. And so there's, there's a part of what we do, which is, which can't be replicated by somebody else. <clears throat> and it makes the experience unique. There is a, I describe the workout as smart and fun because it's definitely fun but it also definitely gets your results and that's you know, a credit to Steve and what he's done and he's invested you know he's he's invested 30 years in perfecting that part of the recipe and and that's really what I think is going to make a, a huge difference for us and, and Steve from a standpoint just explain to people you know the 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 workout the fact that you've got a live DJ there that you've got trainers so you, you've got a personalized experience in a group setting um, to talk about the you know, I think a lot of people build boutique fitness centers and try and have a spin on something wow. and say, like, hey, I've got, I've got this, you know, I'm going to have you dance on a bike or I'm going to have you, like, go into, like, 40-degree weather or, you know, whatever it is. But you, you've actually got a science behind this, and, and people get results. And I think at the end of the day, that's what people are looking for, and they want to have fun doing it because this wow. isn't something that's necessarily the funnest thing to do. You know, having you yell at me, right. you know, while I'm trying to do push-ups at 46 so, and a half. You're young. Thank so, you. So, um, authenticity is the first thing I can tell you. So, behind everything, nothing in that playground happens by mistake. Taking the first, very first part and fundamental part of switch is the yoga flow when you walk in the room. That is not just for a dynamic stretch. So many boutique or different workouts you walk in and you're just thrown into exercise without any proper warm-up stretch. But more than just physically, uh, you know, having the ability to do dynamic stretching is the mindset, especially in a, in a high-pressure world like New York City, where your mind is constantly at work, you're on your phone, you're at your computer, you need some time to regroup and become present in what you're trying to do. And for me to be able to take that out of the real world into our playground, 
that psychology behind it was huge in helping people switch off literally from the outside world into our playground, getting that dynamic warm-up and then flowing to a station where you're sharing the experience with a partner. That's the second key psychological angle that people don't realize is when you go in a room and you're by yourself, and this is part of my military, you're not accountable. You get lost in the workout, you take breaks, you don't give it everything. But when you are paired up with someone, either you bring and you want to show, uh, you know, you bring them up or they bring you up and push you harder, or it's someone new that you get to hang out with and meet and form a new friend. That's the second huge psychology. Then, of course, the programming and the movements, uh, functional movements all around every workout of design is real-world training. It's training your body to be the best it can to adapt to life outside the playground, bending over and picking up something, putting it on a shelf, reverse wood choppers with medicine balls or a front lunge rotation, leaning forward, putting something down. It's always training your body like I did with athletes. I trained them to be the best on the field that they needed to be. I'm training people to be the best in life what they need to be. But then, you know, you've got every element of fitness. You've got cardio, core, functional strength. Every element is in there and it's balanced perfectly for a total body every time. Then you've got the, uh, the fact that we're the only boutique gym that offers multiple trainers. Your instructor leads you through on the mic. And you said yelling at me. And, and for me in the military, when I had a boot camp, which was one of the concepts I did first, was, was an outdoor boot camp. I was the first guy to ever do that in Atlanta. And that was about screaming at people, telling them they're losers if they can't do something. And it was a psychology I brought from the military. I have matured that. And now it's more... I'm going to show you you can do something. Well, I, I will interject for a second. So when I was in ninth grade, yeah. I was a captain of the basketball right. team. You could Google it because it's on my site. Yeah, okay. So my, my coach, Coach Kowalski, used to always yell at me, and I was running the plays, is right. exactly what he says. And I went up to him afterwards, and I said, why do you keep yelling at me? He's like, the day I don't yell at you yeah. is the day I don't think you have potential to Correct. be better. So you want me to yell right. at you and can coach you up. Yeah, so my so when I was now, saying that, I was yeah. saying it, you know, in a, in no, 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 a, and I'm saying so there way. is two thoughts there. So the yelling is obviously to invest my passion and push you to believe you can. Correct. But this mentality is not that of the military. It's rather to hold your hand and show you you can when you don't think you can. I understand. And that's what I preach in my playground. So you've got trainers who can change a, a movement pattern if you have an injury. If you go into any other boutique, there's 52 people in the room, the trainers there overseeing everyone, you cannot get to everyone. Did you did you purposely call it playground so people yes. would kind of calm down and not view it as like a boot camp? Yeah, but you know what? It is a playground if you think about it in an adult world. You know, you go to the yeah, playground. Yeah, no, I like yeah, it. I, but I think kid, it takes, yes, it's, it's takes a layer of like psychology. Yeah, like, That's fine. hey, I can't do that. Why? You can't come yeah, to the playground? Right. Like, what's, exactly. What's it is, the problem? It is a playground with, like Roger said, it's well, smart fun, a serious fun. Uh, and, and so you've got these trainers who can adapt and, and show you proper form. And then you've got the DJ to add the experiential. Then we go into the experiential component, which some people perceived switch when they first went there, switch playground. That's oh, the crazy workout. You've got to go at least once like a nightclub. You know what it is, but that's not the, the, the first comes the programming and then second comes the entertainment. We do, you know, we do submerge you in this uh, experiential workout, which is amazing interaction with the instructor and the DJ. So it's, it's not a playlist. Your instructor's only focus is to motivate you and the team that of trainers. They're not worrying about playlists and, and all the other, mm -hmm. and the writing, the programming. That's done by me, the DJ. And then, you know, the one thing where SoulCycle was such a huge success is 
in studies, human beings don't like exercise. It hurts. It's boring. Sitting on a bike for 40 minutes is boring. But throw in some candles, brilliant music, and a, and a, and a celebrity or theatrical type instructor who motivates you to want to be better, mm-hmm. and you've got the success of of a boutique fitness, you create a, a sense of culture and belonging and an environment where people want to be part of and then make it fun, but give them real results. It's no smoke and mirrors. I don't do this for the gram. It's not about Instagram. For me, it's real people with real results. And that's the bottom line. When you come out of there, I've seen people's lives change. And it's not just uh, you know looking in a mirror and feeling better and looking better, which is great. But it's dads who used to go home and were so tired they'd lie on the sofa and the kids would be like, let's go outside and play. And now those guys are running and doing triathlons and they've discovered fitness and how amazing it feels to be the best you can be in your body. And that's the playground doesn't just end in the playground. That's what so, so one of the things that I think has gotten lost in the, in the boutique fitness space, when I used to walk into a club and get a health club membership, the first thing they would ask me is, what are you looking to achieve? So how do we bring that back? Well, the, uh, it starts with understanding the expectations of the people that are coming through the door. And in the same way that Steve programs the class you know, from the inside out, um, you know, again, smart fun is the best way that I've, I've found to describe it. Uh, the, the way he trains the instructors and the trainers to deliver that product, I would describe it, we were ta- you were talking about yelling at, I would actually describe it maybe more so as yelling with. Right. Yeah, right. that's it's, a good point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's much more of a team and a family, and you feel that you're a part of something when you're in that room. Uh, and the reality is that you feel that you're a part of that same thing when you walk in the door. Uh, the, the first word that came to mind before I was even in the studio and on the, play, or on the playground is welcoming. Right. I felt welcome. And we, we really quickly were able to distill down to the fact that that's what makes the difference when, with, whether you're working at the front desk, a part of the maintenance team, if you're one of the trainers, the instructors, anybody in, in the organization, we understand the priority is to make people feel welcome, to be honest with them, to be attentive to their needs and do everything we can to make their day better. And that goes to the question that you just asked, like, why are you here? And so we continue, we, when I say we, I mean Steve, continues to program the solutions for people's challenges that they're walking into the door with. So it's Mm -hmm. not just what are we going to do with the exercise program today on the playground, but how else can we find ways to help them? And it's helping them practice for life, become better at it every day, be better at it today than they were yesterday, be better at it tomorrow than they were today. And we're still in our infancy uh, here at Switch. And so there's a lot of progress that we're going to make from here, but we understand that a big part of it is, is, is make, helping people's day become better and progressively, uh, consistently over time. And we know that from a business perspective, that means they're going to want to come back. Great. So when you look at the science behind the workouts, you, you've got that over 30 years of experience and that continues to change. So people have, um, you know, variety and, and, you know, are able to meet whatever challenges that they have during the day mentally and, and, and physically. When you think about the culture of the company and how you grow the business, you know, obviously it's all based on people. So how do you, at Roger Harvey, you know, look at a company, say, okay, look, I'm willing to go into this business and partner up with Steve because they have a culture that you know, feels right and just needs to get to the next level. So how do you, how do you diagnose that? How do you... I mean, a lot of this is probably not something you can put on like a playbook or a checklist. A lot of this is gut. 
it's a, the answer is a little bit of both. There's a there's a blend of science and art that's involved. The science are the things like exercise science. There's the mathematical science of business and understanding how the numbers work. The art is understanding the nuances of how things operate in the real world and understand uh, what motivates people, uh, what may, motivates people to to want to come to work every day and to want to do their best, to want to be behind a desk when they've been there for six hours already and it's quiet and to resist the urge to pull their cell phone out and start checking their social media, knowing that somebody might walk by the storefront at that very moment and look in the window and see somebody who's smiling and looks friendly and welcoming and, and draws them in and say, you know what, I'm going to walk in the door today. And, and that's not an easy thing to do. It starts with the, the company, I would actually say at the bottom, which is where, where we reside. We don't, we don't sit at the top, we sit at the bottom. We need to understand what we stand for as an organization. Steve and I both need to be willing to stand for it. And it almost, it would be appropriate to think of us. We're standing back to back and we're gonna hold our position yeah, and no talk, matter what. Talk about the, uh, the org chart that you put together and how that, that, that looks different than the uh, typical <laughs> hierarchy. Because I brought this up on a podcast yesterday with a guy in, uh, in so why don't, why don't you just give a quick well, the, visual the, for that. The, the analogy to think of would be a tree. And uh, I, I've never really liked the, con again, I, I come from team. I've, I've been lucky and blessed, fortunate, whatever word you want to use to, you're comfortable uh, investing to describe it through the course of my career to be a part of many successful teams. And I learned sometimes the hard way that the importance is that team first. And so when I started to create an organizational chart, for, certainly for Switch, and this is something that I've been working with for some time, I realized a long time ago, it doesn't start at the top and work its way down. It starts sort of in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then part of it pushes down from there so that you know, as the CEO on that org chart, I'm sort of in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then pushing down from there are the people that I report to. So I report to the collective group of employees, the staff, the board of directors, the uh, board of advisors, the community at large, uh, those people are all people that I, or those groups are the, all that I report to, that I really have, I have to answer to. And then from that, I have to support or provide support to the rest of the organization. And that's Steve with what he's doing in terms of the programming, it's Ruth, what she's doing in terms of business development. And uh, throughout the organization, it's providing support. And to provide support, you need to understand what you stand for. Because if you don't know what you stand for, mm. it's a house of cards and it's gonna fall. And we know that collectively as an organization, we stand for change. And we stand for change so that we can provide leverage for other people to then support the things that they want to do. And once we are clear on that, and again, I, it happened almost immediately when, uh, when I met Steve and, and Shane, that I just understood the first conversation, I'm like, oh, these guys stand for the same thing I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, they share the same purpose that I do. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a matter of interpreting Steve's vision for what he sees so that it becomes so that everybody understands the expectations that we have and the measurements for success. And as we continue to move that forward, the entire team is now moving in more and more synchronicity. And again, I, I credit my, any success that I've had to date and you know, the success that I'm positive is still yet to come uh, to all of those experiences that I've already been a part of. And whether it's the working with guys like uh, uh, Doug Levine and Howard Brodsky, Lance Diamond at Crunch, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, throughout my career moving forward, it's really been an amazing experience that they, uh, 
everybody knows me well enough. That, uh, people who know me know that I reference quotes a lot, and I do it because it helps guide me through my day. And mm-hmm. uh, Sir Isaac Newton said that if, if I have seen further than others, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. And there are giants that have been a part of my career mm-hmm. uh, to date, and there are giants that switch right now. Not just Steve, but also every one of those trainers and instructors that's in that room, uh, every member of our maintenance team who is uh, making sure that this facility is spotless, everybody who's at the desk who's smiling with people. You know, we're only going to be successful if we all understand the expectations, and we're committed to it. Mm-hmm. And we're willing to stand together and grow together. I mean, uh, Steve said, I think, early on, he said, uh, uh, you know, or actually, maybe it was Shane, said, you know, we're going to really crush it. And I said, I don't want to crush it. I said, I want to offer it breathing room because it's going to grow. And in order to grow, it needs breathing room. It doesn't need to be crushed. So, Steve, when, when you take a look at you know, coming over here, being in L.A., coming to New York, you know, obviously there's a lot of competition. It's really about getting the message across and getting people to try the workout. And if they try it, they're going to be hooked. What, I, what, I, what intrigued me when I, when I went down in Soho is when I spoke to people after the class, Guys were coming from the Upper West Side, from the Upper East Side, from Brooklyn. I mean, it wasn't like, what's your six-block radius, and that's your, you know, boutique fitness, you know, market, which I kind of struck me differently than what is really going on in the rest of the city from the research we've done. So when you look at the growth of the business, how do you think about, you know, you want to help as many people as possible, but you also want to, to make sure that it's done in a way that continues to provide the same quality and has your personal touch on it and it doesn't grow out, grow Grow, overgrow itself to the point where it's not what you're proud of? Well, the, different, uh, the differentiating factor, again, is I write the programming every day. So everything that happens in that room I've written. Uh, it's reinterpreted by my lead instructors who've been through stringent training with me. Everybody who gets to touch that workout and preach what my message is has been through a training by me and understands what I'm trying to say. So... Within the other boutique spaces, they kind of give the trainers the freedom of creativity to make up their own workouts, as long as it follows, I guess, brand guidelines. For me, uh, quality control, if my name is going to be on it, it's going to be exactly the way I want it to be. Not to say that I'm not open to learning. When we have trainer uh, meetings and and get-togethers and and, uh, continued education, I'll listen and watch new movements that they have. We learn together, we'll incorporate them. It's just the rhythm that we ride it in. Um, but yeah, quality control is a tough thing, but that's the beauty of Switch Playground. You're not relying on one instructor, you're relying on a team. Like Roger said, it's all about the group that's in the room. So with typically with other boutique fitnesses, the, the, the clients follow their favorite trainer uh, or instructor. With us, you've got a variety of people you get to interact with in the room. You share four stations with one guy, then another girl, and, and so it goes around. So you get to be with and as we call it the squad, and it's the, from the DJ to the instructor, the trainers. So you're not just following one person, you're following the switch playground workout. And I think that is very duplicatable as far as once we've taught the IP and the training to our groups, it can be replicated within another playground very easily. Um, but yeah, we'll always have stringent quality control. And I'm not, I'm not concerned about losing that because as long as they're following these brand guidelines that we have and I'm writing the classes, I know that they're going to deliver the message properly. So if I'm a, um, you know, start of September, so, you know, a lot of people kick off the fall season saying, all right, I'm going to commit to a workout program. I'm going to get myself into better shape. 
Uh, so how many days a week do you do you recommend someone go to Switch Playground? I recommend three. Three days a you week? You see, the beauty, again, is it changes every day. So you could go every day. We have people who do go every day um, because you're doing different uh, movements all the mm-hmm. time uh, through the program. But I think a great marriage is three where you couple it with some of your other favorite things where you're doing... If you're on a spin in a spin workout where you're sitting on a bike for 45 minutes, it offers a totally different thing. Yoga, of course, I always encourage. I believe we fit in a landscape where we, we, we all are, and I tell this to anybody else in any, what they call competitive, but I don't. I call it people who share the same love as we do. I say we all preach the same thing. We gifted in that we wake up every day and we help people be better. True. They do it their way, we do it our way. We just want to be part of the, the choices they make. And that's why I think a thing like Class Pass is great because it does help people to experience different platforms. I do think it needs to be more fine-tuned. People need to have more of an idea of what they're trying to achieve and not just go to random classes. But for me, the only competition we have is ourselves. And literally, that, as Roger said, we're better tomorrow than today and better today than yesterday. Uh, and we don't compete. We, don't, we, we obviously watch what the industry is doing to keep our eyes open, that's how you, you survive. But we worry about what happens in our doors and, and being the best we can be and, and offering the ultimate uh, workout experience and lifestyle experience to anybody who chooses to share that with us. Yeah, somebody said to me the other day, well, there's too many studios in uh, uh, New York City, the five boroughs. And I'm like, well, there, there are 13,000 pubs and yeah. bars and there are 1,000 studios. So I think what we need to do is get people to trade uh, three Moscow mules for a switch class. <laughs> I agree. You get the same amount of money. Yeah. You get a towel, black right. wall, white towel. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. If you right. call it blind, it's fine. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that, that's the paradigm shift. I think that we're all benefit from. What I, what I find interesting about the halo sector is that when we all get together, there's not a secrecy of ideas. You know, obviously everything, if you want to come and take my class, like that is my product. Right. You know, it's not hard to research. It's not like you have to what reverse engineer group, my product. What I love about your group, <laughs> I walked in and every single person in your team works out and, and understands the need and the benefits of exercise. And I'm seeing in New York City, especially a lot of the guys in the financial world, instead of going to bars and drinking, take their clients to different workouts around yeah. the city. And what I always said is I can judge a person's work ethic and, and drive by the way they work out. And I know that a lot of the CEOs take their new team members to SoulCycle or to different boxing things and watch how resilient they are to the pressure they're being thrown under and how they do they give up or do they go all in. And I can tell that too. And I think that that's a huge part of what's happening in New York City, especially as the corporates are now starting to... to love working out and, and encouraging the wellness and healthy lifestyle. They'll go to a workout, then they'll go on a, on a dinner with their clients rather than go sit at a bar. And, and, you know, most of the conversation gets diluted with the alcohol anyway. So team building, growing, uh, judging, when I say judging, seeing people's potential and strengths and, and weaknesses can all be done in a workout. And I think that's amazing. And I love to capitalize and be part of that too. Yeah. So, Roger, as you kind of take your crystal ball and look forward, what, what does Switch look like in a couple of years? And, and what, uh, you know, what level is it at the, the level of uh, and the buzz of a crunch in New York circa, you know, 1996? Like how, do, how do you think about well, visualizing? Well, I, I described the, the way that I feel to, uh, at Switch to one of my daughters a few days after being there full time as I haven't felt this great about where I have been 
since the early days at, at Crunch, it's really a long time, just the, the opportunity just seems amazing. And then I corrected that a couple of days later and I said, no, I actually feel better than that. Well, um, big statement. And again, I, I keep going with quotes. Uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb said, invest in preparedness, not in prediction. And so I, I'm not going to predict what will happen because that isn't really sort of, the, that isn't my, my method. Steve has a vision. He knows what that vision is. He will continue to communicate it to uh, myself and the rest of the team, and we're going to help him bring it to life because that's our purpose is to, to help others. And uh, it can literally be anything that we want it to be. It came up in conversation with one of our, uh, one of our top instructors just the other day. We were talking about the potential of the organization. And I said, listen, I, said I, don't, I don't think I know anybody who works at Facebook or Google or any of the other, you know, companies that might, people might consider to be highly sought after to work at and super successful. But I'm pretty sure that they're not smarter than us. And I know that they don't work any harder than us. Mm -hmm. So if we want to be that size, then we can be. But I don't think that that's really the objective. The objective is to help as many people as possible. And with that is going to likely come a lot of growth. And it'll grow in ways that we haven't even thought about yet. Right. So, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have known that streaming online video was something that was a thing. Right. A thing. I think the, um, you know, the best management teams that I've worked with have always had an entrepreneur and a visionary and somebody who's, you know, the, the brand ambassador and then someone who says, okay, look, I'm going to take your vision and I'm going to make sure the unit economics work. I'm going to make sure there's a culture in place. I'm going to make sure there's a pipeline, make sure we're spending the money properly on marketing that we're looking at the benchmark. So there's never been a business that I've been a party to where there hasn't been two people, at least, that, that basically said, look, I'm going I'm to run this way, and then they, they kind of check and balance each other in a very important way, almost like, uh, you know, you go bowling, uh, you know, with like a six-year-old bowling party, and they put those rails up on the gutters, and they're like, those gutters just kind of like keep, keep things within a band, right? Is that not a good analogy? Oh, that's, that's great. Good. I like it. Yeah, yeah, just keep rails. like we're going yeah, down, yeah, we're yeah, going yeah, down, no. we're going fast. My rails, like we're going fast and we're going hard, <laughs> but like we're gonna make sure each other like don't get too off of what like you can't be too much in the numbers and you can't be too much in, you know, the yeah. next new you know uh, functional training that might swing somebody's you know kettlebell the wrong I, way. I think it's the most crucial thing, sorry, is is knowing your strengths and 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 working with everything you have on those, but knowing more importantly your weaknesses and, mm -hmm. and staying away from those and having someone with those strengths doing that. And I think for me that's what's been missing from day one in New York City. I had what you just described. I was there uh, doing what I'm brilliant at and trying to figure out the other stuff. And that took away from my brilliance in what I'm brilliant at. And I know that that's the designing of programs and, and the psychology behind it. But now... For the first time in, in New York City, I knew we had something brilliant. I know we do. Mm -hmm. I needed this guy. And, and so to, to answer your question, uh, this is the missing link for me. And this is what uh, I feel like Switch pre uh, just started properly right now. And, uh, and the traction and, and the growth and the feel in the studio with the whole team and everyone around is actually feeling it so much so that I think it's going to be, it's going to blow everyone's mind what happens now. Teamwork makes the dream work and teamwork makes reality work too. Nice. So Switch Playground NYC reestablished 2018. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being on, uh, on Halo Talk. It's been a pleasure, Roger. It's awesome to 
be reconnecting with you on, 30, a, on the business and personal front. 30 years and going. It's 30, 30 plus. It's, uh, it's hard to say that, right? Like, and still feel like young, but it's started, we are young. We are started young. from a wooden bunk. <laughs> now we're here. This wooden table with headphones. Sounds like a rap song. It started should be. from a wooden bunk and now we're here. Yeah. I think yeah. Drake will probably try and copyright yeah, that I'm against sure us. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, look, hey, great work on getting to where we are and look forward to being a part of the, uh, the future success and helping as many people as possible. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for, for having your time, us. Thanks for being Amazing. On. Thank you. Cool.